steps into it. Pass is caught. Diggs, sideline, touchdown. podcast i am bj Rydell, back here with my guy drew mahold and today we are discussing what your minnesota vikings are up to this weekend and that is a home matchup thank goodness for that right a home matchup with the seattle seahawks um, another team that's coming off of a heartbreaking defeat last week against the tennessee titans so uh, it should be a fun matchup um, obviously this is you know Every week, uh, with every passing week, it becomes more and more important for the Vikings to get on the the right side of the win-loss column. Um, And this might be an opportunity to do so. Um, I don't know if Tennessee is as strong, or excuse me, if Seattle is as strong as we thought they were going to be coming out. Um, They're a one-on-one football team right now, but they have some they have some more concerns than I think we had with the Cardinals last week. Um, And at the same time, you know, it's a similar situation. So, um, you know, facing off against a mobile quarterback with a big arm. So some things that you could probably carry over to this week as well. So we'll discuss all of that uh, as well. It's a bit of a lengthy injury report for your Minnesota Vikings. Uh, I don't think there's any too, you know, significant of concern just yet. Uh, but this this list here is a little bit lengthy. So uh, we're supposed to spend some time there as well. So uh, and finally make our picks like we always do um, on the Thursday edition of the Unbelievable Podcast. So with all that said, let's uh, let's get it started here um, talking about this injury report. Because typically, you know, as you guys who have listened to the show for, you know, however long, um, you know that we don't really – talk about the injury report all that much unless it's you know there's some some type of an issue a big name on there whatever um now what makes this interesting is that it's a long injury report right like there's a lot of big names on here Mm -hmm. but most of them are limited and delvin cook the only dnp um we were you know i believe it was reported earlier that he is expected to play this week so no any large concern but anthony barr is going to be limited Rashad Breland's been going to be limited. We all, we also have seen him leave the field on a number of occasions the last couple of weeks. Christian Darisaw, a positive note, will be limited as well. Everson Griffin limited after concussion. Eric Kendricks limited. And then finally, Patrick Peterson limited. So Patrick Peterson is the the, the new name on this list, of course, uh, relative to last week. Of course, most of these guys were getting over stuff or uh, missed time last week as a result. But kind of what do you make of the situation? Do you or Is it cause for concern? We're recording as of Wednesday evening. So still some time for these guys to, you know, get healthy and be ready for this week. Yeah, I mean, nothing really jumps out at me. Um, I guess what I'm more concerned about is – you know, I mean, I again, I think having Anthony Barr out there would be awesome. Um, it, even though Nick Vigil had, you know, the, the big pick six last week and seemed to fit in nicely, at least in pass defense. Um, you know, obviously having a player like Barr healthy and back would be great. Same with Griffin in terms of containing Wilson. Like these are guys you want out there. Um, and then, of course, Peterson when it comes to defending those two dynamic receivers for Seattle. But um, the concern for me is more about Zimmer's, what Zimmer had said today about Dalvin Cook. Um, or basically, uh, you know, they were asking him about, you know, his status for this week and, you know, what's, what's the, the report there. And Zimmer essentially said Dalvin will, if he's 
able to play, he'll, he'll be playing. He makes us go. So we're going to use him a lot. Um, I don't think that's verbatim, but that's kind of the, the, the tone that I received from that. And that's concerning to me just because of this whole philosophy of paying running backs. And it's just like, um, sure. You pay Dalvin cook the money that he, that he, you know, is asking for and that long-term deal. But then the trade-off of that is now you got to this, if this guy is going to get this money, you got to use him a ton and that can quickly deteriorate a running back in the NFL. And so it, this is one of those scenarios where clearly he's banged up. He had his ankle rolled over last week by JJ Watt, right? You know, does he need to get 30 touches again this week or whatever it is? You know, I mean, does he, does he need that type of beating every single week? Um, when, you know, is the offense that much different if Madison's in there? Cause the, I will the offensive line was awesome last week against the run. Mm-hmm. Does the Alexander Madison being in there, you know, deteriorate the offense that much? I doubt it, but maybe I'm wrong. But point being there's that, that, that whole uh, kind of difference between if you pay the running back big money, you got to use them a lot, which then hurts his value long-term because then he's getting the, he's getting way more wear and tear, mm-hmm. which quickly, you know, decreases the life of his career. So anyway, I just wanted to make a point on that. And I, I it's again, why I'm against paying a running back a, a long-term deal like that uh, because it's one of his running back, especially is one of those positions use it more they that the more you use them the kind of the the smaller their career expectancy becomes and cook's already been a guy who's been hurt somewhat frequently so i i i'm scared to see you know when that sort of drop off in his career takes place it's kind of like buying a car right like you buy a car uh you pay let's say that you pay 30 grand for that car the second you drive off the lot of course you know you lose that huge percentage so the second you know you're paying dalvin cook like you've committed to it um, and then every injury kind of takes its toll, right? Every little dent, mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. And then um, eventually, if you're not a safe driver and you're you're you know running into cars and rear-ending and the whole dent and what have you, uh, you know you're you're careless with it, uh, recklessly using it a lot, per se. Uh, then you know that's going to hurt that value, and uh, the value back that you receive from that is going to be, you know, the ROI is not going to be as great. Yeah, it's a little bit of a contradiction. I feel like Colin Coward right now, though, so we should talk about something else. Um, you know, you look at what you were making saying. The, with... Making the <laughs> references to, like, real-life situations. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, uh, you did mention Dalvin Cook. I think this is kind of an interesting point, and I think it is a factor this week as well, given the status of Dalvin Cook. Um, how much of a drop-off, you know, you kind of alluded to this, how much of a drop-off you'd have with Dalvin Cook out of the game and Alexander Madison in the game, right? Um, you pay Dalvin Cook all this money, um, obviously for you know his efficiency and that type of thing. But really the one thing that I think you truly lose from Dalvin Cook down to Alexander Madison is that like that huge explosive play, like the 60 plus yard explosive play. I don't think Madison has the getaway speed that Dalvin Cook does. Yeah. And um, I agree with that. I mean, 100%. so that, like, that's basically the difference, but in terms of like general efficiency, you know, pounding out four five, six yards every, you know, several carries, I think you still get that with Alexander yeah. Madison. The difference is the home run hitter. Exactly. Uh, type of That's what you pay for in the NFL. There are, I mean, how many of those plays are there a year from Dalvin Cook? Well, they're awesome to watch and they're fun. There's probably five of those a year mm-hmm. where he really hits that big home run that truly Alexander Madison could not, 100% could not repeat. Uh, right. Now, those plays are significant, you know, win percentage plays. I get that. Right. Um, 
but we're talking about a small fraction of the game where in reality, using a guy 30 times a game, um, you know, when you have this guy for five more years as a high, high paid player, um, if he's banged up a little bit, you know, I, I guess I would err on the side of maybe don't give him all the touches this week, maybe get Madison more involved. Um, maybe get, if it's Mir Abdullah, maybe he get him more involved, whatever it might, might need. But uh, I guess that's my take on that. Otherwise, as it pertains to the rest of the injury report, uh, it's positive to see that these guys are limited, especially like Darisaw, Barr, Griffin, guys that have been missing time already, getting them back to full strength. Obviously, that's pretty big. Yeah, I'm not super worried about anyone else other than Dalvin Cook. And the only reason that I'm worried about Dalvin Cook is because this is an annual thing, right? He typically misses like three, three, four games. Mm-hmm. That's why it's nice to have um, a backup like Alexander Madison that you can plug and play um, to a degree, to a degree, right? Um, all right, so let's talk a little bit more about how the Vikings will match up with the Seahawks now, right? Um, knowing what we do on the Seahawks side of the injury report, I don't really have anything cool to share with you. Chris Carson was limited. So you're going to get the full, <laughs> you're going to get the full scope of this offense uh, from the Seattle Seahawks. And that of course starts with Russell Wilson. Um, the Vikings have played him previously. And I'm sure all of us remember, you know, everything back to, you know, 2015 and just the way that the Seahawks have tortured the Vikings in the past. Um, Russell Wilson, of course, is the central focus of that argument. If you believe that the Seahawks are annoying, uh, you probably hate Russell Wilson. Um, he's been a Vikings killer for a number of reasons. It starts with the mobility thing, the thing that we same kind of concept that we talked about with Kyler Murray last week and keeping this guy in the pocket and not allowing him to extend plays. That continues on to this week. So to a degree, I think that gives the Vikings a little bit of an advantage because you're preparing for the same style. I'm not saying they're the same quarterback, right? I would say that Russell Wilson is a lot more um, – you know, efficient with the football and a little bit more trustworthy, whereas Kyler Murray is potentially a little bit more dynamic and kind of dangerous with the football. Um, so a different style, I guess, you know, different, you know, it's kind of like a 1A, 1B under the same style with Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray. So the way you prepare for this, you know, defensively for the Vikings is going to be relatively similar. The big difference here is the kind of the playmakers, right? Um, Arizona had a bunch of them. Seattle doesn't have a bunch of them, but they've got two really good ones. Yeah. And so the, the concern is, you know, the connection Russ has built with DK with Tyler Lockett, especially Lockett this year has kind of been the the, crazy. He's been the beneficiary of some deep balls from Russ, which by the way, Russ probably best deep ball thrower in the league. Pretty darn close. Right up Uh, up there. He's, he's right up there Uh, in terms of just dropping one of those high teardrop balls in the bucket. There might not be anybody better uh, than Russell Wilson. So there's, there is some similarities between he and Kyler, but there's some differences. Like I'm way more scared of Russ in the pocket, hundred percent. Um, as you should be, I think he, and he's, you know, like, you know, he, I think he's more savvy with the, the, the pocket presence where he like, he'll step up when the pocket allows for it. And he'll, you know, create he's more like, experience. He, he, in the league. he moves around to create throwing lanes. Whereas Kyler kind of, when it collapses, he just kind of runs out of there. Uh, which can be a really good way when you're as athletic and quick as Kyler, that could be a great way to extend a play. Um, not, not saying what is more correct to do than the other, but Russ does it a little bit differently. And so um, I don't think, you know, I, I think in terms of the the plan to rush the passer, it'll probably be kind of similar. I, I really just think you have to try to isolate Hunter as much as you can after what happened last week. Mm-hmm. Um Isolate him with one-on-one if you can scheme that up, if Andre Patterson and, and company and, and Zimmer can can create something there. But otherwise, matchup-wise, um, I mean, what do you think about, like, Metcalf and Lockett? I mean, obviously both are dangerous in their own ways. Metcalf is more physically intimidating. But 
um, with well, how the Vikings handled Hopkins last week, it was kind of like, uh, you know, he got his right away and they're like, all right, we're, we're not letting Hopkins beat us. Like get, throw the ball to somebody else. And that in a way kind of slowed down Arizona just a little bit. I was, they got the big play from Rondell Moore, but other than that, really that, that long side of Christian Kirk was about all Arizona had kind of after they took away Hopkins there uh, right around halftime. What, what makes Seattle interesting is that they have other guys too, that can beat you. Like, we saw what Freddie Swain did last week, too, right, with the over-the-top. You know, he's a vertical threat in that way. Uh, DK Metcalf can beat you in quite literally any way um, because he's – I think it's fair to say he's the most physically imposing wide receiver in the NFL right now. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably accurate. And then Tyler Lockett just has been going under the radar as a top 15-ish receiver for three, four years now. And my goodness, has he gotten good at, you know, basically catching that Willie Mays ball. I mean, he's done it every single week. Um, so far this season. So he's crazy good and his fundamentals are insane. He's as good of a route runner as you're going to see in the NFL as well. I think that what it's going to, what it's going to happen, I think is they're going to pitch away for Patrick Peterson because Patrick Peterson has given you the best reps so far this season for the Vikings, right? He's been arguably the most dangerous in terms of deflecting passes, breaking up passes. He hasn't even gotten thrown at all that much. I will say that, that Rondale Moore play does get attributed to Patrick Peterson based off of the kind of the, the understanding that I gathered from that one where he came up and didn't, he stayed with Hopkins and he was supposed to fall back with more. So that's really the only negative play that I've seen from Peterson so far. So I think you kind of go back to the situation that you had against Cincinnati, where you have one guy on one side of the field, one guy on the other, right? I don't think this is a travel game because you have two guys and let's just be honest here. The only guy that can match up physically, like in terms of height, with DK Metcalf is Cam Dantzler, but he can't match up physically in terms of like muscle and mass and just physical. We saw how that went last alien year in Seattle, So Right, exactly. So you can't really, like you can't win by just having Cam Dantzler on him all day long. Like he's going to get worn out. I think that's what would happen. So ultimately I think Patrick Peterson matches up best with Tyler Lockett because he's, he's going to use his kind of his, his experience. He has, I think that Peterson's lost maybe a slight step. So, it's better to work off of your veteran kind of savvy and, you know, your instincts watching film, that type of thing. I think he fits more with Tyler Lockett. And then I don't know what you do with DK Metcalf outside of bracketing him in coverage, make sure you have a safety over the top right. like Xavier Woods, and then just put whoever the hell is giving you the best shot. Like whoever has the hot hand, I would start with Breland, go down to Alexander, go down to dancer. And I would rotate until I found a guy that could consistently give you quality reps against DK Metcalf. You're not trying to necessarily, like erase him from the game. Cause that's not going to happen here. I just, just telling you, honestly, he's not going to be erased from the game, but if you can get quality reps, physical reps against DK Metcalf, I think you can, you know, get in his head a little bit more than the average receiver. Right. I mean, yeah. And that's, again, we're never going to be able to put a game plan together, especially with this Vikings de- uh, back, uh, defensive backfield. That looks a little bit, it's certainly not what 2017 was, right? right? When you had kind of Xavier Rhodes at the peak of his powers, Trey Wayne at the peak of his powers, you had, um, you know, Anderson Deho, peak of his powers, Harrison Smith at the elite of the elite in the NFL. So there's, there's, there's no way of eliminating a guy completely unless you really straight up just go like, all right, we're going to put three guys in front of your face right now. And then well, you can't do that, right? which <laughs> is not as, yeah, because these other guys are NFL players and they will beat you if you do that. So, I do think I think I think Seattle's uh, offensive line is very you know beatable in terms of rushing the passer. I think real, Wilson can be my beat. Next question. Yeah. yeah, I think the Vikings can get after him. I think the Vikings pass rush last week, for what it's worth, I think that was pretty darn 
uh, effective. I think, you know, if it wasn't Kyler Murray back there, we would have seen a lot higher sack number. I think the pressure rate was pretty good. So I, I, I think the Vikings can get after Russ here. And um, I think that's really their only chance is to have a pretty efficient game rushing Russell Wilson. I think it's worthy of note here that that while this defense does not have the efficiency or the pedigree or any of those things that you just mentioned with that 2017 team, I do think this is the first time since 2017 that this pass rush is getting both interior and exterior pressure on the quarterback. Uh, Michael Pierce has been great through two games. Um, you know, Dalvin Tomlinson has been filling his role, I think. I haven't been super excited about him yeah. thus far. I was also, but- speaking of I mean, Seattle, they run the ball a lot, and the first week was a little concerning based on how well – kind of Joe Mixon was able to chunk up or uh, you right. know, get some yards uh, efficiently. I think they did a lot better job last week against Arizona in that regard, um, def- whether it was defending the option or whether it was straight up defending James Conner and Chase Edmonds. I think they did a really good job there. And so that gives me a lot more optimism because Seattle kind of has the same deal that Minnesota does offensively where that's sort of the defensive minded head coach that's kind of old school and runs the ball a lot, even though uh, the best uh, philosophy of the team is probably to let Russell Wilson kind of just let it loose and, and throw it all over the yard. Pete Carroll still is kind of that old school philosophy, run the ball, give it to Chris Carson a ton, uh, give it to Rashad Penny or Alex Collins and that whole backfield. Um, and so the fact that the Vikings bounced back last week against the run, um, another reason for me to, to be optimistic about this one. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Dwayne Brown and Daniel Hunter, that'll be a decisive matchup in this game. Um, Dwayne Brown, of course, held out, um, just recently got paid um, to Neil Hunter, probably in a similar situation. Um, so, you know, uh, you've got, you've got, a, you've got one good one-on-one matchup there. And then I think the rest of this, you know, offensive line, I would say the Vikings have, you know, a bit of an advantage there as well. I don't think that this is called like, you know, this is a situation where the Vikings are going to absolutely get crushed um, in the trenches again. I think they have an opportunity to win on both sides of the football this um, as we'll get to, you know, um, the defensive side of the ball here in a second. But um, as far as getting pressure on Russell Wilson, keeping him from doing those long plays, right? Those six, seven, eight second plays. I sound like a broken record because I said the same thing last week, but really I think that's the difference here because I think that Mike Zimmer is smart enough to like not have his guys set up in a situation where he's going to get hit over at the top. He does not want to be the third team in a row to get vertical, to get the vertical um, touchdown by Tyler Lockett. Um, I think the Vikings will protect against that, but my, my, Concern then is what happens underneath. You know how how is Seattle going to adapt? Because you know Mike Zimmer is going to be playing zone to start. It's kind of hard to run, you know, man when you have both Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. But if Russell Wilson gets into a situation where he's scrambling all over the place, all of a sudden you're kind of forced into that man-to-man situation where you have to spy Wilson. So it'll be interesting to see how this game develops. You know, I, I think that the Vikings have a real shot on this side of the football, specifically if you're able to contain Russell Wilson, just keep yeah. him under like two fifty. I mean, the first half last year, they were really disciplined about it um, in terms of the way they rush the passer, but also they, they stopped the runner in early downs and forced them to kind of in those long scenarios um, with the Vikings basically had against the Bengals week one. That's kind of how the Vikings were able to get ahead of Seattle last year. If you remember, I think it was like 13, nothing in the first half. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was because they got Seattle in those long situations. I don't care if you're Russell Wilson or Patrick Mahomes or whoever, you know, third and 10 is, is, is not easy um, right. against any defense. So um, getting, you know, understanding that Seattle will probably run the ball early, early downs or just like Minnesota in that regard. Um, and then from there, just containing and keeping the top on Metcalf and Lockett. And I think the Vikings will get enough chances to, you know, uh, like you said, contain the Seattle offense. And then from there, the Vikings offense hopefully can pick up where it 
kind of started last week and, you know, another 30 points in, in this week, which we talk about as a routine thing, but the Vikings offense can put up points. I think that could be enough to, to win this week. Absolutely. All right, so let's talk about them scoring those points now here. Um, facing off against this defense, you know, they do run a 3-4, so it's a little bit uh, – sorry, they do – that's my bad. They run a 4-3, so it's going to be relatively similar in terms of defensive formatting, right? There's nothing going to – there's nothing crazy about this defense that, that Pete Carroll likes to run. Um, in terms of pass rushers, that's my big point of emphasis here is that I don't think Seattle has a guy that, like, one-on-one is just – got to plan for him on defense outside of Bobby Wagner, right. Who is still remains one of the best inside linebackers in the game, but that's not a guy that you have to plan for. You just expect him to get 12, 13, 14. You got, you got to keep an eye on him. I mean, in terms of like, but you don't move the scheme for him, right? Like Chandler right. Jones last week, you literally had to plan. All right, we're going to have the yeah. left hat. We're going to have Rashad well, Hill then, on him and yeah. we're going to chip. The other Bobby thing is, Wagner's not like that. And then Jamal Adams is the guy that I wanted to talk about because he has this like Antoine Winfield role about him where he's going to blitz crap done. Um, he's going to, he will be at the line of scrimmage a lot. He kind of, it's almost like, you know, when Harrison Smith was like in the box, what 50% of the time or whatever it was right. in 2017, he's even more than that on passing downs. He'll be at the line of scrimmage. He'll blitz a lot and he's good at it. And so uh, keeping an eye on him and, and making sure your, your protections are, are, you know, in line, everybody's communicating at the line of scrimmage. is going to be huge because he'll be, all over that, that, that line of scrimmage and he'll, he will blitz very frequently and not afraid to force a fumble when he does hit the quarterback. So that's the one guy I would personally be very concerned about. Well, you have to be concerned with Jamal Adams in that way for sure, because he's definitely one of the best tackling safeties in the NFL. And he's like you said, very good at creating turnovers, both in terms of forced fumbles and also interceptions to a degree as well. Um, So he's definitely a guy that you want to know where he's at. Um, I, I'm not as concerned with Jamal Adams in terms of being an actual safety, right? He's more like a weapon to me because like, he's not yeah, great in hybrid. coverage. He's not great in coverage straight up. Like he, I'm pretty sure he was responsible for last week. Um, or it was with two weeks ago. He was responsible for a play over the top when he came in gambled, right? Mm. Same type of thing that you were just talking about where he does have a great sense of where the football is going to be. And he is definitely a playmaker, but he also gambles. I don't want to put him on like Marcus Peters levels where like, you're literally like just ditching your coverage to go after the ball, but he will gamble like, and he can be, you know, an Achilles heel in that way. In the same sense that he can be a playmaker. I still think Jamal Adams can be, he could hurt you too. If he goes for that gamble. Uh, and we've seen him do that a number of different times. Now, I don't want to take away from the level of talent, but there is some execution things there that I'm not as concerned about as maybe the average person is with regard to Jamal Adams. I think Bobby Wagner makes you, you know, what you have to be worried about with him is that he's going to cover kind of that central area of the field. Like you have to be more concerned about those, you know, those short routes, the slants, you know, the anything that's going to come back after about eight, 10 yards, that's Bobby Wagner territory. He's as good at coverage and in, as good at recognizing where the ball is going as any linebacker, period. And he's been doing it for a number of years. So, you know, he's dangerous in that way. So if you're going to have Adams in the box, that gives him more flexibility to work because Bobby Wagner can cover up some of these lapses. And we know that the Vikings have a tendency to check the ball down and try to run these dink and dunk plays. Sometimes if you can go over the top, like 
I think you have a real opportunity for exposure against Seattle. If you can take shots over the top with cousins, because they are going to play for that. They're going to come in on you. And Bobby Wagner is going to patrol that middle of the field. That's going to essentially try to take away from what Kirk cousins loves to do, get him uncomfortable. So you have to try to get him comfortable from the get-go against his defense, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, and, and one thing, too, about Wagner, the guy reads screens better than yes, uh, really yes. anybody. So I know the Vikings have they, – they'd always try to get that screen game going a little bit. Um, did it a couple times last week against Arizona, but that's another just element to that, too. Like, I know the screen game is certainly a part of the offense, getting Dalvin Cook touches that maybe aren't just your standard zone run. Uh, so that would be something I would be – you know, you, you got to keep an eye on that guy for that especially. But – uh, it, overall, this defense is very beatable to me. Uh, obviously, Tennessee was pretty lackluster in that first half last week, and they still put up 33 points on this team. Um, and Derrick Henry ran all over them. So in terms of the rushing offense, I, I think the Vikings could pick up where they left off. They had an excellent game blocking against the run last week against Arizona. Different front a little bit this time around, but uh, with that zone scheme, that doesn't, it's not the, the, the power scheme, right? It's kind of that man to man. You, you find a man, you hit that guy. The zone scheme is a little bit different where it can adapt a little bit better. I think to different fronts that Seattle poses. So I, I like the Vikings chances to kind of pick up where they left off on the ground, keep that efficiency going. And from there, um, I, I just want the Vikings to remain aggressive throughout the game. Uh, and you know, whether the, the yeah. play calling was similar throughout the whole game or, la- or not last week, I, I just want the Vikings to be, more open to throwing the ball in early downs. And from there kind of mix in the run as a compliment rather than predicate the entire offense off of the, the run, I guess. So, and clearly Kirk can do it. He's got the efficiency. He's got the um, firepower to kind of lead that attack. I think you just have to let him do it. Cause I think these, these defensive backs can be beat with Jefferson Thielen and now KJ Osborne right. emerging as a really good option at the third number, the number three receiver. I think there's going to be kind of a tendency to be more inclined to run the football, especially what, you know, after what Derrick Henry did in basically two quarters of yeah, play. Last and I, week. I don't expect the Vikings to go away from that run first kind of mentality. I'm not going to, I'm not saying that I kind of wish they would abandon it a little bit, especially after what I had been talking about, about Dalvin's usage um, and how heavy that is lately. But I think basically, I think this defense is beatable either way. I would prefer that they go with the passing route. It's just more efficient and you have all those weapons out there and then use that really efficient run game as sort of the complement to it. Right. Right. And I think that that's, that's really the point that we drive home here. That is that although I expect the Vikings to be relatively efficient running the football, I hope that does not deter them from taking those deeper shots, right? Those shots, 20, 30 yards down. I'm not even talking about bombs. I'm talking about just shots, right? Like get a double move on a corner, one-on-one in coverage. I love JJ's chances. I love Adam Thielen's chances. And I think that KJ Osborne has, has at least with the catch that he had last, you know, on the very final drive that set up the Greg Joseph field goal, I think he's established himself as a fairly reliable target as well. So I think that you have all these guys to run a number of different concepts with three in three wide receiver sets now, which – basically gets me back to my point here is don't let that go to waste this week, right? You've got three true, you know, truly solid, uh, at least one superstar, maybe two wide receivers, guys that can catch the ball in a number of different ways that can beat you in a number of different ways. Let that fly. Like give that a shot here because Seattle can score points too. And I, I think what Drew said before too, about don't let up, don't take your foot off the neck. Like that's important this week in particular, especially with my trauma against the Seahawks. Like don't let them come back. Right. Don't let them come back. If you get ahead, step yeah. on the neck. Like it's, you got to end this. You got to end this game. You got to keep 
chugging him down, chunk yardage. You got to keep throwing the football. I want to see some cojones this week. Like I want to see Mike Zimmer going for it. See, on fourth and it's two. a thing. Here, <laughs> it's it's ironic that you bring that up after how the Vikings lost last year when they went for it on fourth down and didn't get it. But they, and to that point, though, like if, right. they, if they get that fourth down games over exactly. process was right. Exactly. So, and if they needed a yard, you get that fourth down the game's over and they win in Seattle. So we're talking about it. I mean, Seattle's very beatable. Um, and I don't think I'm worried about that. And like I've said before, I'm very, I feel a lot better about this game now than I did last week. So uh, that was the last thing that I wanted to touch on here before we got into our picks and our, our pick for this game specifically is that I was thinking about what you said on the last show where you said, you know, I feel better about this team after that loss than I did, you know, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, et cetera. Um, and I think that I thought about that this week. And I think that it's a fair point because the Vikings have now proven not that they're a Super Bowl contender, right? They have not. That was never the expectation. That, that wasn't our expectation on the show. You guys know that. But they have proven that they can compete with seemingly just about anybody at this point in time because you're playing against an offense with Kyler Murray that is as good as it gets, essentially. Uh, so I think there's reason for confidence going to this matchup. I think this is an easier matchup on paper than last week against Arizona. I do too. I do too. So yeah. while I think, you I do think have this the better be quarterback a, in this I think game. Seattle's the this is I mean this I think Seattle's the worst team in that division, to be really? completely honest with you. That's a take. Yeah. I think Arizona, I think San Francisco, I think the Rams are all better than Seattle. Um and now that division I, I, with that being said, Seattle's better than three teams in the NFC North. Um, you know, Green yeah. Bay is probably the one team I take over them. But I still, you know, that's my point is I think uh I think this if if the Vikings can come within a field goal of beating Arizona at Arizona, they can certainly win this game at home, being that these fans are probably going to be fired up quite a bit to be back at US Bank Stadium. And for can't once, lose them early though. For once, yeah, that well, that's true. But for once, you know, it's it's the Seahawks dealing with Vikings fans versus the other way around for the last four years or whatever it was. <laughs> All right, so all of that being said here, um, I think there's reasons the Vikings could win, and I think that we've also noted some reasons where the Vikings could potentially lose as well. Um I think this is going to be a close matchup. Uh, do you ultimately foresee the Vikings getting away with one here and finally getting one in the win column? Or is this going to be, you know, what type of game do you think this is going to be? This game's going to be a circus for one, because both teams, <laughs> both teams have that tendency. If you look at their history, the last, basically in the Carroll and Zimmer eras, like both teams are the have a tendency for just crazy, crazy games. Um, so I expect that in this game, and I'm going to simply go by kind of the law of averages here where the Vikings have in a way they've had some pretty bad luck. I don't want to call it bad luck just to be that guy, but it's kind of been bad luck where they haven't won either of the games. So I'm going to kind of say the football gods give something back a little bit this week. The Vikings get that lucky bounce at the end of the game and they do win at home this week against Seattle when uh, again, probably not, they're not favored um, and probably not the better team, but I think they do get it done with the the home crowd advantage this week. So I thought I was going to, when I picked Minnesota this week, that I was going to be kind of like going out of on a, on a limb here, but now you've kind of softened my, yeah, I, also, I also thought that too, thinking you would pick Seattle. So I, I'm going to take Minnesota this week as well. I think this game's going to be a lot closer than I, I think that, you know, the recent trauma for Vikings fans suggests to us that it might be right. Um, like I just said before, I think this is actually a better matchup for the Vikings on paper than last week against Arizona. Uh, and I, I do feel some level of confidence from the way they played last week, despite the way that it ended. 
right? Um, we talked about a lot this week that if that kick goes in, I mean, this is probably a fairly positive week, like in terms of overall success for this football team. So I'm going to go off of that instead of the missed field goal. I'm going to go off of every positive that the Vikings showed last week. And I think that the difference here really is the home field advantage because Vikings fans, you know, are going to be, like you said, thrilled to be there. And if the Vikings can score a touchdown early on, I think they can control the tempo because ultimately it comes down to the fan. How much of a fan interaction are you going to have? And if Seattle goes down and scores a couple touchdowns early, this is going to get out of hand and it's going to be like a 38 to 14 game. But if Minnesota does what it did last week or something relatively similar, you know, scoring a touchdown on the first or second drive, getting on the board early in the first quarter, I think the fans get into it. I think the Vikings have a real shot to win this one. I'm going to bet on that. That's where my money's going this week. I'm saying Minnesota beats Seattle. I'll give them, you know, I think it's going to be very close. So maybe like three. It'll be a circus. Like three and five I'm, I'm so convinced it's going to be just one of those super chaotic. Games. I don't know if my heart can take it again. Like after the last. Like it's going to be. It's going to be the next level after what happened in Arizona. It's going to be nuts. That's I just how these teams operate. Yeah, they, <laughs> they they kind of do, and that's unfortunate for for us as fans because the roller coaster ride has been going on for two weeks already. I just want to get off. But all right, um, let's get into the rest of our picks here. Uh, Thursday night's football game should be probably a skippable football game in terms of viewership. It's Carolina, who is a surprising 2-0, um, facing off against Houston in the Houston. You're going to get Davis Mills, his first NFL start. Um, I'm streaming Carolina's defense this week, by the way, for fantasy. Um, this should be entertaining if you're a football fan, a true football fan. But if you don't really care that much or you don't have a fantasy player going – don't I think watch. this one could be over quick. Yeah, I wouldn't watch. Uh, I'm going Carolina. Um, also, I'm going to steal this from the part of my take, guys. Mills Mafia time. Davis Mills is starting for, for the Texans uh, without Terod Taylor. So, uh, uh, but I, there's no way he's going to – I mean, the Thursday night football for your first start with, like, no time to prepare yeah. cannot be good. No so, this is going to be sloppy. I think Panthers probably win easily. And we, we've forgotten, too, that Houston is a bad football team behind the quarterback. Yes. Like, other oh, than yeah. the quarterback, also very bad. So um, Carolina for both of us. All right. Uh, first one on the docket here. Sounds like a good matchup on paper in terms of defense, right? You got Washington heading to Buffalo this week. Uh, Josh Allen hasn't really gotten on track just yet. Under 200 yards last week coming off of a loss. They did get a W. Um, not exactly against a great opponent. They didn't exactly, you know, Define that victory, but Stefan Diggs got into the end zone. They seem to kind of have the wheels turning a little bit more. They square off against Washington, who, of course, Terry McLaurin went off. You're starting to get some confidence in Taylor Heineke. Where are you going with this one? I'm taking Buffalo, uh, but I'm rooting for Washington and Heineke because I, I Heineke's really easy to root for, and I think that's certainly the other dog. So uh, I'll take the Bills, though, for my official pick. Right. I'm going to take Buffalo as well. I think it's funny that this situation is like, right. Like you want to root for Taylor Heineke, Josh Allen used to be that guy. And now we're rooting against yeah. Josh Allen for the new uh, kind of interesting. Can he be the next Kurt Warner? Like that kind of aura that Heineke is giving off. Um, I think it makes them the more interesting team to watch and kind of the, you know, the fan favorite, but uh, you know, logically speaking, I'm taking Buffalo. I still think they're a super Bowl contender despite the slow start out of the gate. Um, so both of us in Buffalo. Uh, next one here, NFC North, Chicago, they had to Cleveland. Um, Baker Mayfield had a 
gutsy performance last week. I don't think it was a great performance by any means, but of course he throws, uh, you know, an important touchdown with basically one arm and then throws a block. Um, so uh, gutsy, gritty, all of the fun words that we like to say. Uh, they face off against Chicago, who did get a W against Cincinnati last week. Um, and you officially get Justin Fields for his first NFL start. I was right about that. My process was wrong, but I got the correct point. It's kind of like when you solve like a math problem in school and you get points off for the process being wrong. Yeah, but the number correct. was right at the end because you kind of, yeah, yeah. in a way, it was like a guess. Exactly, um, right. Yeah. Uh, I'm going Cleveland here. Um, rookie quarterback <laughs> making his first start. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, I think he'll make some cool plays that'll be like, oh, okay, here, you know, Justin Fields is going to be good, but it won't be enough against the Cleveland team that's pretty loaded on both sides. Yeah, I still think Cleveland's also a Super Bowl contender, right? Like they've been a bit of a gun shy out of the gate as well, but uh, I think that they get the W, of course, um, over Chicago. I'm interested with Justin Fields because we made the whole joke about being ready. Well, last week he did not look, quote, right. ready, right? Like not that at pick all. pick six was pretty bad. It was, uh, it was kind of the Kyler pick that, you know, when you, you just like you're staring at a guy to running a curl route or a hitch route or right. whatever over the middle, and there's a linebacker right in front of him and you somehow didn't see it. Um, so we'll see. I mean, I, mean, I would imagine uh, Cleveland will throw quite a bit of different looks at, at Justin Fields. And yeah. uh, that's why I kind of like Browns in this team. Yeah, they're also the more stable team, too, like in terms of just general efficiency. You take Cleveland all day on that. So I also um, just don't like Matt Nagy, so I kind of want him to lose. They're also in our division, so we want him to lose for that reason, too. But also that. That's neither here nor there. All right. Uh, next one here. Staying in the NFC North, we're headed to Ford Field in Detroit. Lamar Jackson will be joining them with the Baltimore Ravens coming off of the grittiest of the gritty wins um, this yes. last week here. Uh, took down Kansas City finally on his fourth try um, by one point. One point. And the most uh, ballsy decision of the co- in, of the week in terms of coaching paid off. Uh, Detroit, on the other hand, eh, not. They're still Detroit. They're still Detroit. So, and I'm going, I'm going Baltimore because of that. I don't need to say more. I mean, the Lions, I'm not picking the Lions, I don't think, all season. Yeah, it's kind of hard to pick them. Um, Baltimore's the easy pick here. I'll slide that one in as well. Um, all right, AFC South now. This one will have end-of-the-year uh, implications, I suppose. Uh, Indianapolis at Tennessee. Derrick Henry just came off of, you know, just another ridiculous performance and kind of reasserted himself as being a guy that, you know, quite possibly could rush for 2,000 yards again. Um on the other side, you got Indianapolis, who has two bro- broken feet at the quarterback position. You don't even know if Carson Wentz is going to play yet, and Jacob Eason does not look great when he right. is on the field. Um, where are you going with this one? I'm going Tennessee, and I don't know if I picked Tennessee last week. Um, I'm trying to remember if I did or not. I, I did end up betting them, which actually worked out for me. But I'm a big – yeah, I think the Titans are they're still good. didn't pick them last week. They're still good. God, I, I, I have abandoned <laughs> myself. I don't know who I am anymore. Uh, I, I'm going with the Titans, though. I'm going with the Titans too. I think it's the the, the easier choice here, um, especially with what I was just saying. You don't even know if Carson Wentz is going to be on the field just yet. So yeah. um, we're picking on a Wednesday. I'm going to take Tennessee. All right, next one here, interdivision matchup. Once again, we go to the AFC West with the Los Angeles Chargers heading up the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, as I just said, the Chiefs are coming off of a relatively devastating loss. I mean, uh, they had more than one opportunity to win that football game. and 14 course, receiving yards for Tyree Hill. Yeah, that's that's interesting. That's interesting. And, of course, uh, L.A., they have the secondary to do that bracketed coverage as well. So um, Justin Herbert gets his first real shot, I think, at a defining moment. Um, is he able to get it done against Kansas City no. in Kansas City? I'm not picking the Chiefs or against the Chiefs, excuse me, all year. Um, like I've said, I'm sticking with that, even though it didn't work for me last week. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna assume Andy Reid will bounce back. 
Okay, I'm gonna take the Chargers. I'm going. I'm going with the Chargers here. Um, wow. I, I I just I can't imagine the Chiefs being one and two. That would be crazy. I, that's that is hard to imagine. I'm not thinking about the Chiefs here. I'm thinking about the Chargers, right? Um, I don't care. I, I think the Chiefs are going to bounce back just fine. Um, I, honestly, they very well could win this football game, and they probably should win this football game. I'm taking Justin Herbert. I think this is the opportunity for him. Um, I think he's ready. Did you see the play last week that he threw? Um, you know, into well, he the had secondary? like so many sick throws. That oh my god, dude, he's ready. <laughs> I'm just saying he's ready. Like he's yeah. he's ready to rock. And I think this is kind of like the prime time moment. Like, can you get it done against your, you know, the Super Bowl contender in your division? Um, I think he gets it done. So I'm going to pick the Chargers here. So we'll split on that one. Um, next one here, we go to New Orleans, or excuse me, we go to New England, I should say. Uh, New Orleans joining them there, of course, the Jameis Winston. Uh, the Jameis Winston train ran into a wall last week. Um, the Mac Jones train, on the other hand, a little bit on the up and up, kind of heading in that direction. He gets his first win uh, as an NFL signal caller. Um, does he get his second this week against Sean Payton and whatever else they're doing there in New Orleans? I have no feel on either one of these teams. <laughs> so I'm going to go with the home team and the Patriots, but I I thought the Saints were good, and then, I, I yeah, I, I I have no feel. So now I kind of uh, wonder if Carolina's good. You know, like, I know, but we not we won't find out this week. They're playing Mills Mafia, so right. Uh, <laughs> I, I give me the Patriots. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm also taking the Patriots this week. Um, similar to you, I also have no feel for either of these teams because I also thought New Orleans was going to be a good team, and I kind of got the indication that New England was going to be a bad football team. But now I kind of feeling maybe they're trending in the opposite direction. Um, I'm taking New England here because of Bill Belichick and Bill Belichick alone. If I don't have a feel, I'm going to take the better coach. And while this is a bit of a toss-up, difficult to pick against the greatest coach of all time, right? Um, I'll take New England. Um, next one here, real barn burner, Atlanta and the New York Giants. I don't think I do one. have a feel on these teams. Yeah. They're, they're pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They are pretty bad. But at the same time, they're both bad, which tends to make for yeah. fun football if you're watching it on television. Yeah, you're right. Uh, uh, I I, I kind of just want to pick whatever team you don't pick. Um, my gut is leaning home team Giants here just because I, I was, like was going to pick the but, Giants. All right. No, I'll go. I'll go Falcons. I'll go Falcons. Give me the Falcons. then. I don't hate either of these picks either. The reason why I'm taking the Giants is because basically of Daniel Jones and kind of. He had, he did play well last week. I thought he did play well, right? I thought he played well enough to win and some other things kind of just didn't go against the good defense too. So right. I'll give him that. Yeah. So I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt here. We'll split on that one. Uh, but I, I think it's fair to say that neither of us really, you know, cares, knows, whatever. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> all right. Next one. We head to the AFC North Cincinnati uh, one and one after losing to Chicago. Uh, they head to Pittsburgh. Um, an important moment for them as well. Um, kind of a similar situation as Justin Herbert. What I was just alluding to Joe Burrow um, gets to face off against kind of the perennial uh I don't want to call them Super Bowl contenders anymore, but because they haven't really won a Super Bowl since I think 2007. But Pittsburgh is known as a you know, high pedigree team in their division. Um, it's an opportunity to get a big win. Um, Cincinnati doesn't do that often against Pittsburgh. Does Joe Burrow get it done in Pittsburgh this week? Uh, I'm going to say yes. Give me, give me Cincinnati. Uh, I've been kind of on the Pittsburgh uh, Steelers or frauds train for a while. Uh, I don't want to abandon that right now. Uh, I'm going to go with Joey B, even though they looked horrible horrible for most of the game last week against the bears. So I'm going to take Pittsburgh here. I picked them last week and they burned me against Vegas. You actually got that one, right? Um, I'm going to take Pittsburgh. So we'll split here uh, again. I don't necessarily think Pittsburgh's all that good. I just also don't think Cincinnati's all that good either. And I'm going to play. I think you're right about that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So 
you know, I think Baltimore's going to win this division. So really mm-hmm. this one doesn't matter as much, but um, I'm going to take Pittsburgh with split on this one too. Um, that one takes us to Arizona and Jacksonville. I think I know where we're going on that one. Yep. No, I don't have to talk, talk about this one. Cool. Arizona or the next one. <laughs> <laughs> next one here. Uh, New York Jets. They head to Denver. Denver, one of the only two and oh teams. Teddy Bridgewater looking good. He's Denver Broncos. Three run the AFC West. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Teddy Bridgewater's thrown for over 300 yards in two consecutive games, by the way. Nah, not so much of a noodle arm anymore, is he? I saw he had, I think he leads the league in pass attempts over 20 yards downfield, yeah. <laughs> which is just crazy to Hilarious, think about right? based on He's the stereotypes thrown. he had gotten. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm, Broncos are going to win this game very comfortably. Uh, I can't imagine Zach Wilson not going up against this defense after how he's looked the first two weeks against not so great of defense compared to Denver. I think Zach Wilson's gonna have some trouble this year. Um, it's not just, yeah, it doesn't look great. It's not just last week, really. I just think that he's growing into his like his NFL form, right? I don't like think it's like it's one knows. thing to be a gunslinger in whatever the pack. What what conference is BYU in? I don't even know what they're in, but it's one thing to be a gunslinger and put up numbers in that conference. Another thing to do that same t- same thing in the NFL, and I think he found that out the hard way last week. Absolutely. Could have been just a, like a rookie moment, but I think he might get another welcome to the NFL thing here uh, with Denver being a very good defense. And of course, a great defensive mind leading that charge. So, all right. Uh, next one here, Miami and Vegas. Vegas looks good. Two and oh, two good yeah. wins at that. Um, Derek Carr, MVP consideration. Derek Carr looks awesome. Like, yeah. like, and uh, you could fast. see a little bit of it. You saw a little bit of it last year um, where he was kind of, a few times last year, he carried that team to wins um, right on his back. And they actually beat Kansas city last year, kind of on the, on his back as well. I like, I, I, I think he's, you, you said MVP candidate. He, did, he can seriously do that. Um, but he's doing team. it right now. If you picked it today, it's, it's probably Derek Carr. Through right. Two. Right. And I, and they're going to win this game. Uh, I don't even know who the Dolphins quarterback is going to be this week. Jacoby Brissett. Right. Is that who it is? Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think the Raiders win this game kind of comfortably. Right. I do too. Uh, it's weird because I think I would have picked the Raiders without whether or not Tua was in there or not. Cause I, I think really so too. Yeah. Tua either. Um, but that, that does make a difference just in terms of kind of, you know, there's not that many schematic changes, I think from Jacoby Brissett to Tua. That's a, that's a pretty good, like in terms of like the way the style of play, right. That's a good system that they have there with two quarterbacks, but um, I think Vegas overwhelms them. I, I think they might be for real, man. I, I think this might be Gruden's year where people finally are like, oh, maybe he actually does remember how to coach. It's it's starting to look that way. So I'm going to go Vegas. All right. Next one on here. We've got a couple. We've got three great ones in a row. Honestly, this is a great week of football for the most part. Uh, this next mm-hmm. one here, though, I think is game of the week, and that's Tampa Bay heading to the Los Angeles Rams. You finally kind of get that. Um, all right. How good are these two teams? Uh, and you get them matched up against each other, right? Like they're not just playing against a quality opponent, separate teams, right? They're playing head to head. You got Sean McVay, Bruce Arians going head to head. Tom Brady, of course, looks like he's lighting the world on fire. Matthew Stafford looks like a perfect, perfect fit in Los Angeles. Cooper Cup, I mean, my goodness, how good of a game did he have last week? And then you've got the three-slash-four-headed monster um, in Tampa Bay. I know Antonio Brown might not be available, but you still got Evans, Godwin, and Grok, who looks 26 again. Um, this should be a great football game. Where mm-hmm. are you leaning here? I don't really know where I'm leaning here. I think I'm going to I'm gonna default, go with the Bucs, uh, but I really do think the Rams could be a good uh, – I don't know what about the Rams. I just like – is Stafford that missing piece? Do we know that for sure? I think they stumbled a little bit out of the gate last week um, against the Colts before they kind of finally picked it up. I'll go with the Bucks by default, but I really, I, I think it'll be a fun game. 
Yeah, so I was leaning Buccaneers here, but I'm okay going Rams. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take an opportunity here to try to get a win um, over you here. I'm gonna take the Rams, and you know it's this is stupid because I've said so many times on this show never bet against Tom Brady. I'm not putting money on this football game. There's no <laughs> chance in hell that I would do that. No, uh, but I will take the Rams here because I think there's a real opportunity for them. Uh, you know, just it's that same thing with the Chargers, way. like the prove it game. You know, yeah, like, yeah. like yeah. I mean, if, how good are you? I mean, right. they've got maybe the two best defensive players in the NFL on the same defense right now, and Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald. Uh, that's different for Tom Brady. He has not seen that the past two weeks. He's going to get top coverage and he's going to get top interior pass rush. So we'll see how that plays out. I'll take the Rams. Drew sticks with Tampa Bay. Um, that should be a really fun game. I'm excited about that one. Um, two left here. And I think these ones are not necessarily equally as exciting, but should be good football games. Um, Green Bay faces off with San Francisco in San Francisco. Uh, that's gone way, well for them lately. <laughs> yeah, that's, what I was, that's what I was just going to say is the way we feel about Seattle as Vikings fans, I feel like is the same way Green Bay Packer fans feel about San Francisco and the 49ers. Now, I know it's more Colin Kaepernick than anyone else who kind of I mean, you know, traumatized I don't know. them. They was at last year, two years ago. They, well, the NFC Championship game from a couple years ago, they got blown out in that regular season game. Like, yeah, yeah. kind of the same deal. Um, I am going to pick Green Bay, though. Um, mm-hmm. Again, it's just kind of a Rodgers versus like Jimmy G thing where I know it hasn't. Yeah, that, that's so. I know the Niners are a really good roster. Um, and I like them to be, like I said, a contender for that division. Um, but I, I just think the Packers have too much. So the 49ers are an interesting team because I think they do next man up better than anyone in the NFL, mm-hmm. um, especially because they've had so much practice with it over the last couple of years. Uh, you know, I'm going to take Green Bay here as well. It comes down to what you just said, um, Aaron Rodgers against Jimmy Garoppolo in terms of just scoring points. I think Aaron Rodgers has much higher potential against the 49ers defense than Jimmy Garoppolo does against the Green Bay Packers defense. Um, on the other side of that, though, uh, you know, you've also just got, you know, I don't know how they continue to run the ball effectively. I think it's got to end somewhere. You've got like eight running backs out at this point. Like, I don't know. Kyle Shanahan is amazing, but at some point, like you just run out of talent, man. Like they're. Did on you see the guy they signed uh, this week? They signed someone off of. He was in the XFL. Uh, what was his name? He's like, he's like, he's got the build of Derrick Henry. It's like Jock Patrick. I, he I, is six foot three, two hundred and forty pounds. Okay, I mean that uh, from sounds Florida State. Sounds awesome. Um, I don't know who that is, and that's kind of my point here is that when you're when you've gone down so far down the depth chart, like I thought Eli Mitchell was going to be the guy all season long. I mean, Trey Sermon is out with a concussion. You've got Raheem Mostert out for the rest of the season. Right. I mean, those that's your three, that's the three guys that the fantasy analysts were telling you to pick, right? And there's like, Michael those, Hasty, there's Elijah Mitchell, there's so many games. They just pick up guys off of the street. And, and maybe like, hey, it continues to work. But I'm going to bet against that. I'm going to bet that, that their luck finally runs out in terms of run efficiency. Um, so I'm going to pick Green Bay as well. And then we finally, we wrap up the week on Monday Night Football. I know you guys are shocked. It's an NFC East matchup. You get two NFC East teams on this uh, primetime matchup with the Philadelphia Eagles heading to the Dallas Cowboys. Um, should be fun. I don't think we got kind of the encore we were expecting from Jalen Hurts last week. Um, he gets. I still team. like him a lot. I think he's he's a fun player. They did I, just buying, use both of their Brandons, though. Graham and what's the what's the interior offensive lineman's name? Anyways, they lost two Brandons this week. Both of Brandon. them started. Two Brandons. Yeah, very important yeah. Brandons. So. <laughs> uh, I'm, <laughs> um, I'm buying Jalen Hurts, though. 
against Dallas this week. Against Dallas. Uh, and mostly that's because I, I, I like picking against Mike McCarthy and watching him be frustrated with his stupid face on TV. So uh, I'm going with the Eagles in this one. So this is funny because I'm, I'm you know, I'm going to take Dallas. Um, I have a vendetta against the Eagles. You have a vendetta against Dallas um, just in general. So this is, you know, a, a true it's a vendetta true, game. True battle. Yeah, it's a vendetta game for us. Yeah, it's a vendetta <laughs> game. Um, I'm taking Dallas, not necessarily because I, you know, I think I do think they're going to win. I think the difference is just the overall talent on the board. They don't have yeah. Demarcus Lawrence, but they have more talent on their entire roster. I mean, we didn't think Phil- Philadelphia was even going to be competitive this year. We thought they could be like a five and twelve team. Or maybe they won't, because um, they didn't look awesome last week. But- right. They did dominate Atlanta in that game, and hey, maybe the, maybe Dallas is good. I mean, they were close, played it close with Tampa, mm-hmm. and you know, it's defensively were a lot better than I thought against the Chargers last week. So, who's I, I? I don't know. I just I'm mostly picking this game out of emotion because I I like watching McCarthy fail because it's funny. <laughs> um, all right, that rounds out our week of picks here. I think that one should be a that should be a great. That really should be a great slate. I, I think it's fair to say that neither of us really have a great feel for any of these teams just yet. We did go 10 and six last week. So we were both. We tie again. Yeah. 10 and six for the both of us. We both, we split the San Francisco Philly and the Vegas Pittsburgh game last week. And the rest of them were all. Um, okay. All the same. So 17 and 15 cumulative for both of us through two weeks. I uh, still getting the feel here, but um, that's where we stand here heading into the third week of play. Uh any final thoughts, uh, whether it's on the Vikings, anything we missed, arrows or missions, uh, anything thing across the, the NFL? The Ryder Cups this weekend. Uh, big golf event for all you golfers that like to watch golf instead of football. Like I probably will a little bit on Sunday um, before the Vikings kick off anyway. Of course. Um, but uh, yeah, I did see, by the way, Team Europe. Uh, so it's being played in Wisconsin for those of you who don't know. Team Europe today, um, while interacting with the fans, they had special like uh, outfits or like uniforms today that were made green and gold and they were wearing cheese heads um, to interact, to kind of get the fans in Wisconsin on their side. So Ooh. even more reason to pay attention and root for team USA to kick them in the ass. So get the hell out of our country. Europeans uh, go USA. Uh, well, that's, that's a take. I got, I got hot real quick. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right, then um, I don't have any bold, thoughts or anything honestly i don't have any interesting thoughts for um this week at all. i know there's like one person that listens to the show that actually is interested in golf so i'm talking (laughs) to that person (laughs) absolutely um all right then well that's all we got here uh thank you as always for listening uh you can find us on itunes stitcher google play spotify wherever else you listen to your podcast if you prefer to watch the show we will remain available on youtube um so you can use that medium as well um, make sure to check out what the rest of the climb in the pocket team is doing here. Like I said, on the you know last like 19 episodes, we're doing, you know, live shows, I believe daily. Now you've also got a couple of different podcasts and the guys on the team are working very hard to create lots of different Vikings content for you, different tones, different styles, different analyses. So, um, hopefully you're enjoying that. And finally, leave us a drop us a line on daily Norseman. If you have any thoughts about the show, or if you, you know, uh, just have something you want us to discuss. We're happy to listen to that as well. So uh, thank you guys for listening and we will catch you guys next week. Oh.